Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. Richard, we're glad that you are here today and uh, you've survived the cold. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your amazing grace, your goodness, your mercy in our life. Lord, speak to our hearts through your word today. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. I got to spend the last couple of days with my little granddaughter, Matt, and, uh, and Hartley came down. She's two and a half years old. And she's had a little bit of an ear infection, and she went to the uh, pediatrician, and he looked in the ears, and, and so I asked her, I said, Hartley, what's wrong with your ears? She said, I have monkeys in my ears. <laughs> I said, monkeys? And Matt said, well, the pediatrician was looking in her ears, and she said, well, what's wrong with my ears? And he said, well, you have monkeys in your ears. We're trying to get the monkeys out. So uh, turn to your neighbor and say, get the monkeys out of your ears because God's going to speak to you today. How many of you remember the, uh, the television program, Let's Make a Deal? Let's vote. How many of you remember that? Well, it started in 1963. It's still running today. Wayne Brady is the, the host of it today. But there was a guy by the name of Monty Hall who was the host for close to 30 years. And when the game started, of course, the people who were in the audience, they were called traitors. And if you've noticed over the years, they dress up really weird because they want to be selected for the deal. And so they, they get crazier and crazier with the, with the dress and the costumes and all the crazy stuff. And so you, you make a deal, and sometimes the deal is good, sometimes the deal's bad, but th they usually get a couple of people at the end of the show, and this is the big deal. And they usually have three doors, door one, two, and three, and you choose what's behind the door, and whatever door you choose, it could be a great prize, it could be worth thousands of dollars, or it could be a zinger, a zonk, you know, it could be horrible. And so you get the picture. 2024 is kind of like that because you don't know what's behind the door. I mean, you think you know what is going to happen tomorrow, but really we don't know tomorrow. That's why the Lord says sufficiency of the day is the evil thereof. So we, we just don't know what's around the corner. And there's some things that we didn't see around the corner. So I want to talk to you today about things we don't know and facing the future you know, sometimes we don't face the future with our dreams. We really face the future with our fears. And God doesn't want us to face the future with our fears and our anxiety. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And here Paul is speaking to us, and, and this is what he says. But if we hope, verse 25, for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know, say that with me, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what Paul is saying at the beginning, he said we hope for what we do not see. How many of you know that because we're saved, we're going to be saved 
body, soul, and spirit. And you say, no, wait a minute. That's not really true. Well, a lot of it's true right now. But one day, he's saying that one day our body will be redeemed. We're going to have a new body. We're going to be new creatures. We are inwardly, but one day you're going to have a new body outwardly. The older I get, the more I hope for that body. Can I get a witness out there? Yeah, sometimes on cold mornings like this, I have to just kind of roll out of bed. I'm a holy roller, so anyway. So, you know, you, you hope for those things, and that's what he's saying. So he says that one day, not only are we new creatures inwardly, we will be outwardly, the terrestrial put on the celestial. So we're hoping for what we do not see yet, and we're hoping for the things that we do not know. A couple of interesting things. If you had invested $10,000 in Tesla stock when it came out, and I know all of you did that, if you had done that, you would be worth $1.5 million today. And so I think, why didn't I do that when Tesla came out? Well, number one, I didn't have $10,000. And the second thing, I just didn't know. It was an unknown thing. If you had invested $10,000 in Apple stock, today you would be worth $14 million. Because it split and it split and it split, price went up. So why didn't we all just buy $10,000 worth of uh, Apple back when it came out? Well, number one, maybe you didn't have $10,000 like me at the time. But it could be that you just didn't know. So there's things that we just don't know, right? And those things are very, very difficult. So in 2024, there's a lot of things we just don't know yet. And we're facing those things. Uh, verse 26, he says, For we do not know what we should pray for. So there's things that we don't know, and at times we just don't know what to pray for. Uh, look, look at your neighbor. You know, there are things they don't know. Hey, look at them. Does it look like they don't know? Yeah, I'm thinking you're right there. Some of them just don't look like they know. So, so we, we, we see this really in every, everybody's life here. I want to bring you to King Jehoshaphat. You'll remember the story. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. But in, in that story, in that account, King Jehoshaphat, Israel, Judah, they're attacked by three nations. So three nations, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Syrians came together to destroy Israel. You know what? It sounds like 2024. A little deja vu all over again, right? So what we see, the people around Israel hated them, wanted to destroy them. So three nations gathered their armies, and Jehoshaphat knew there's no way we can defeat three nations altogether. So what did he do? Well, he cried to the Lord. That's what we do. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer of desperation? I mean, I have. Your Lord, help me. Sometimes it's that short. So in verse number 12, O our God, Will you not judge them, for we have no power against them, this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Here it is again. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So when you don't know what to do, what do you do? You look to the Lord. That's what I do. That's what you do. But there's something unique about this passage. Now, when he said we don't know what to do, obviously he didn't know how to defeat the armies, but there are some things we do know what to do. I mean, there's some things that you know today what to do. So there were three things, and I'll include a fourth here, three things that they knew what to do. Number one, they knew how to pray. 
So the Bible says they prayed. Not only Jehoshaphat, but the entire nation, they prayed. The second thing they did is they fasted. They fasted, they prayed, and the third thing is they worshiped. So they prayed, they fasted, they worshiped. They knew what to do in that regard. But Jehoshaphat adds another element to it. He begins to remind God of what God had said. How many of you think God didn't forget what he said? So what Jehoshaphat's really doing, he's reminding himself of the word of God. So when we pray and we fast and we worship and we get into the word, something spectacular happens. As I was reading the last couple of weeks in this passage, I really saw something that I'd never seen before, never preached on before. When you get down to verse 17 in that passage, the Lord directly speaks to them and he says this, position yourself. Say that with me. Position yourself. Now let's all say it together. Here we go. Position yourself. So when you pray and you fast and you worship and you get in the word of God, guess what you do? You position yourself for victory. You, you say, well, how does that work? You have just done everything you know to do and now you're positioning yourself. If you don't think position is important, Watch the NFL playoffs. Because if you're out of position, you're going to lose the game. And if we're out of position, we're going to miss some of the things that God has in store for us. So they prayed, they fasted, they worshiped, they got into the word of God, and then the Lord said this, the battle is not yours, the battle is mine. How many of you want to hear God say, this battle is mine? But you and I have to position ourselves for him to say that. You see, there's some unique things here that I think we really need to get. Go back with me to Romans chapter 8. Paul is telling us that we don't know some stuff. Look at verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know, here it is again, what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, when we don't see and we don't know, we're at a disadvantage. But how many of you know God is never at a disadvantage? See, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And that's in that passage. Now, when you don't know, the Holy Spirit, who's called the helper, has to come and help us. And when I'm facing something that I don't see clearly, if I'm coming up against something that I really don't know the answer to, then I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness out there? So now the Holy Spirit comes to help me and helps me in the will of God. How many of you are glad when God gives us a yes? When he says yes, yeah, God said yes. How many of you are equally happy when he says no? <laughs> Probably not. But let me tell you, his yes and his no are both for our benefit. Really true. I use this illustration a lot. Uh, either this happened to you or you watched it in high school and somebody had to have that girl or that guy and maybe it didn't happen and in the will of God, it was a no for you. And you thought, oh, no, I, I want her, or I, I love him. 
And then you go to your 50th high school reunion. And you see her. And you say, oh God, thank you. (laughs) Or you see him. And you say, thank you, Lord. His no was so good. Why? It's the will of God. So notice that. Makes intercession for us. Why? We can't see it. We don't know it. So God has to come to help us what we can't see, what we don't know, and bring us into what the will of God for our life is. And and that's so very important because there's things we just don't know. Now, look with me. I'm going to give you some things we don't know. We don't fully understand what God has prepared for us. Would you agree with that? Now, most of the time we talk about heaven, and that's good. But listen, we don't fully understand what God has prepared for us even now while we're on this earth. If you had, you know, rewound my life back when I was in early 20s, and God said, well, you know, Mike, you're going to be there on the corner and have, you know, close to, you know, 60-something thousand square feet. And we were in a little bitty church with no heat and air central. And it was uh, pretty Spartan. And some of you were with us with that. And now we fast forward to 2024. It would be hard for me to see that. Would it be hard for you to see some things in your life where God's brought you? Yeah, Absolutely. So he says here, we don't understand fully what God has prepared for us. But even in heaven, we know there's golden streets. There's a four-square city. There's pearl gates and walls that are layered with beautiful gemstones. But I believe heaven is even going to be greater than that, don't you? He, He said, we don't know. It hasn't entered into our mind. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered to the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So we just don't know. Sometimes we don't know what it is to be in a new position. Maybe you're a newlywed, and maybe you've been married for a month or two. You probably could say, I didn't know that. I didn't know she was like that. I didn't know he was like that. I didn't know marriage would be like that. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it is a a place where you had an opportunity or a position, and you just didn't know. Matter of fact, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, uh, this is Solomon trying to navigate a new position himself. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child I do not know how to go in or, or go out or come in. So you have to understand who's talking here. So David is dead. Solomon now is the king. And it's one thing to watch somebody reign. It's another thing when you reign. It's one thing to watch someone in that position. It's another thing when you get in that position. Can I get a witness? And now Solomon, listen, who's the wisest person who ever lived outside of Jesus. When the Lord spoke to Solomon, he said, there shall be no one like you before you or after you. And now this very wise man is in the position of being king over God's people. And he said, Lord, you're going to have to teach me because I'm like a little kid in this new position. I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes we get into places where we just don't really know the Lord has to help us but here's the good news the Lord does help us doesn't he you you know 
If you're a new mom here today, or if you're a dad here today, you're in that position. And so God's going to help you because you just don't know. Now, Solomon's probably about 20 years old when he says this. But he says, I'm like a little child. I'm groping through this, so God, you're going to have to help me. We don't know what the future holds, do we? But we know who holds the future, but we don't know what the future holds. I remember years ago, my kids were still in school. I took them to school. I get in the car. I'm, I'm driving back, have the radio on, and they break in on the radio that an airplane flew into the World Trade Center. I, I get home. I turn the television on. It's on every channel. Do you remember? Every channel is, is reporting it. And then a second plane went into the World Trade Center. Then one into the Pentagon. Then one crashed in Pennsylvania. How many of you know we didn't see that coming? We just didn't know. October the 7th in Israel, they didn't see that coming. In 2024, there may be some things we don't see come. We know who holds the future, but how many of you know we cannot see into the future? It's like it's behind the door. It's like, I'm going to go this direction, but I really don't know what is behind that door. Look with me at verse 28. This is probably the verse that you remember the most in this passage. And we know. Say that with me. And we know. Let's stop right there. Wait a minute, Paul. You said we, we don't see, we don't know. Now you come along, you say, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So you know what Paul is saying? We do know some things. A lot of things we don't know. A lot of things I don't know. A lot of things you don't know. I know not to get too close to a skunk. Listen, I'm not a vet. I I, I haven't studied animal sciences, but I do know that. I know what a man is. I know what a woman is. I know a man can't have a baby. That's all right. You can clap. So why would you say that stuff, Pastor? Some of the most brilliant, quote, brilliant people who are interviewed by Congress for positions and Supreme Court justices, when they're asked the question, can you give me a definition of a woman or man? And you know what they say? I really can't do that. Confessing ourselves to be wise, we have become fools. There are some things that we know. And we need to declare we know some stuff. Let me give you one. We know there's a God. I mean, you know, we know there's a God. You say, oh, pastor, I mean, we, we don't know there's a God. I, I was listening to Dr. Ed Young speak not too long ago, and he said, I went to the grocery store, and, you know, I'm buying groceries. There's a guy there, and we just enter into a conversation. I find out that he's Jewish, but he's not practicing, you know, his Jewish religion. He says he's not a Christian. I don't know if he's agnostic or whatever. And in the conversation, Dr. Young said, can I pray for you? And he says, oh, no, don't pray for me. I don't want God to know where I am. (laughs) How do you think God already knows where he's at? We know that there is a God. And whether you're 
a believer, unbeliever, you're atheistic, you're agnostic. The only reason you are anything that you are is because you chose to be that. Well, I'm just an atheist. Well, you chose to be an atheist. Well, I'm agnostic. Well, you chose to be agnostic. Well, I'm a believer. You chose to be a believer. So I'm telling you, it's a choice. Romans chapter 1, Paul really, he elaborates on this. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were Darkened. There is a God. And all you have to do is go out in creation, go out in nature, and I'm going to guarantee you, you can look at creation and say, somebody had to design this. This didn't happen just by accident. You, you've heard me share that uh, back in the early days of uh, Bill Clinton's presidency, he started the Human Genome Project. Dr. Francis Schaefer was ahead of that. They got scientists from all over the world to map the human genome. So they wanted to know what your, your spiral DNA, your, your, your code was. And so after many, many months and millions of dollars, they mapped out our DNA. And this guy who led it, he kind of was agnostic there may be a God may, may not be a God but when they finished that project you know what he said there has to be somebody who designed this this could not happen by accident and that's true if you don't believe that let me tell you you can go out to a junkyard and just wait and wait and wait and maybe if you wait long enough that will come together and become a 747 airplane I mean, everything will come together. All the wiring, the computers, every program. And you would say this thing just evolved in a 747 airplane. You say, oh, I wouldn't believe that. Well, you're right, and I wouldn't believe what you believe either, you doofus. (laughs) My friends, there is a God who designed and created everything. There's things we don't know, but there are things that we do know. And that's why he's saying that we know that there is a God. We also know God's called us. He's called every one of you. You say, well, how do I know that? Okay, I'm glad you asked me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us, say that with me, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, established, strengthened, and settled you, To him be the glory, the dominion forever and ever, amen. He said, God's called us. Have you ever been around someone that lets their phone just ring and ring and ring and ring? How how many of you find that really disturbing? Sometimes my wife lets her phone ring way too long. And I say, are you going to answer that? Have you ever been in that conversation? 
I mean, the phone's ringing. Are you going to answer that? Let me tell you something. God's called everybody here. He's calling people at home in their pajamas. He's calling people as they drive down the road. Tomorrow, God's going to call some people at work. He's going to call some moms and some dads and some teenagers. And get me, Just get with me here. He's going to call and call and call. The Holy Spirit's going to call them. And I'm going to say, are you going to answer that? You going to answer that? Because if you wait too long, it'd be too late to answer. I'm going to tell you, when God is calling, we better answer. So here Peter said that God has called us. So we know there is a God. We know there is a God who's called us. And we know there is a God who has a purpose for us. That we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you're a mother, you have a purpose. If you're a dad, you have a purpose. If you're here today, you're worshiping God, you have a purpose. God created you for purpose. He didn't create you for some random act. He created us for purpose. He has a purpose for us. God has promises for us. The Bible says they're yea and amen. So we have a purpose, we have promises, and God has your best interest in mind. God has your best interest in mind. You, you see, even in difficult times, times we don't understand, God can turn your situation into good for you and glory for him. The Bible doesn't say that all things are good. Now, you would agree with that, wouldn't you? The Bible says all things work together for good. Some things are not good. I've gone through a lot of things that hadn't been good in my life. You have too. But guess what God can do? He can turn that around. He can manipulate that. He can put his hands on that. And he can take it for your good and for my good. You say, how can he do that? He's God. He's awesome, sovereign God. And God can do that. As we close this out this morning, I'm going to tell you that the next few minutes that I speak, is going to be something that can literally change your life. How many of you believe that? There are times in my life, I've been there, and there are going to be times in my future, and I'm going to talk about you too. You're going to pray this prayer, and the prayer is going to be, God, what am I going to do? Have you ever prayed that prayer? I have. You get into trouble, you're facing something, a giant in your life, a difficulty, even a death. And you say things like this, God, what am I going to do? You see, we need to shift the way that we pray to a juncture in the prayer, in the process, that we're not praying, God, what am I going to do? You need to pray this, God, what are you going to do? Now, the only way you and I can pray that prayer is if we've done Everything we know to do. Let's go back to Jehoshaphat. They did what? They prayed. They fasted. They worshiped. They got into the word. And then when they did everything they knew to do, when they got in the right position, then God said, the battle is not yours. The battle is mine. He said, Pastor, is that really in the Bible? You know, I make a habit of trying to preach the Bible around here. The Lord told Moses, 
when they got into an impassable situation, I want you to stand at the edge of the sea and hold the rod out, Moses. And Moses could have said, Lord, I've done everything I'm known to do now. God, what are you going to do? And you know what God said? I'm going to blow the wind all night, and I'm going to part this sea. That's what I'm going to do. Or you could get to a city that is insurmountable, and and you know that this is a group of ex-slaves. This is a group of people that are kind of ragtag looking for a country. But here is a formidable Canaanite city, and Joshua says, Lord, we don't know what to do. And this is what the Lord says. Well, you, you can do something. Why don't you march around this city every day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around it seven times and blow the trumpets and shout. And after seven days, you know what Joshua could have said? All right, Lord, we did what we could do. What are you going to do? And the Lord said, I'm going to pull the walls down on this city. I'm going to give it to you. Or we, we could be kind of like maybe an Elijah who took him God took him from the brook Cherith to Zarephath, and he said, there I'll have a widow sustain you there. And we heard about that a couple of weeks ago. And so there Elijah is, and he goes, and you know, preachers are about halfway crazy. And when this woman is picking up sticks to make the last meal for her and her son, and they're going to die, there's been a drought for about three years or so, he has the audacity to say, bring me some water. And matter of fact, Bring me that cake, that food, that bread you're going to bake. Those preachers. And she did. And you know what she could have said? Lord, I've done everything I've known to do. Now, Lord, what are you going to do? And you know what the Lord said? Your meal barrel, your provision will never run dry till this is passed. Or we could shift gears, and now Elisha comes along the scene. And there's a woman who has two sons that are fixing to go into slavery. She's concerned, as anyone would be. Prophet Elisha comes along, and, and she cries out to him, and he says, what do you have in the house? How many of you know everybody's got something here that God can use? Everybody. So she says, all I've got is a little cruise of oil. i got a jar of oil. And God spoke through the prophet and said, get every pot and pan and mason jar. Get everything you can get. Gather it up. She did what she knew to do. And when they began to pour that oil, guess what happened? It filled every container. Listen, God didn't run out of oil. They just run out of places to hold it, right? So when, when they did what they knew to do, God did what only God can do. You see how that works? Listen, God, we're, we're facing an army again. We don't think we can defeat them. What do we do? Dig ditches. What? Dig some ditches. Has God ever asked you to do something that sounded really silly? He has me. Dig ditches. Okay, I'm going to dig some ditches. I don't know what, what this is about. I can't see it. I don't know. But I'll do what God said. I'm going to dig some ditches. They dug some ditches, and the next morning, God filled the dishes full of water. When that old orange red sun came up in the morning, the light shined across those ditches. It looks like pools of blood. The enemy ran off. God has one, more than one way to skin a whatever. Maybe some cat lovers here. <laughs> Listen, God has ways we haven't even thought of. But here's the key. Have you done everything you know to do? You may be waiting on God, and God's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. Or, or we could 
say, Lord, what, what do I need to do? Take up your bed. What's that going to do? Because if you do that, you'll walk. Or the Lord could smear mud in your eyes. Say, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Well, why do that? Well, you just do what I tell you to do, and I'll do what you cannot do. And when he washed his eyes, he came up seeing. This could be, this could be the year you get a breakthrough. This could be the year of your miracle. This could be a breakthrough through your marriage, your finances, or whatever it is. But let me ask you, have you done everything you know to do? That, that's, that's absolutely a good question, isn't it? Jesus is going through um, Israel. He's preaching. He's teaching. And he, he goes to the northern region of the Sea of Galilee around Capernaum. Capernaum. Matter of fact, Randy and I have been there, and uh, Peter's house is there. Of course, they've got it covered. It's a, it's a holy archaeological type site. And, and Peter, that's where they fished. It's where he lived. And Jesus, one day, while they're washing and mending their nets, it's up in the day now, he said, could I use your boat? And, and Jesus got in the bow of the boat, and he began to teach the multitudes. Probably the, the, you know, the, the, the place is more uh, really, I guess, suited for um, the volume of speaking, you know, the, the things that he needed to share. The acoustics may be a little bit better. People couldn't, you know, crowd him. So he has all this multitude around the shore. He's on Peter's boat. He's, he's teaching. He's preaching. And when he finishes, he turns to Peter and the group that's over there washing and mending their nets because they're finished. Now, the reason they do that in the middle of the day, because over there like it is here in the summer, it gets really hot. And during the hot weather, the fish, they go down to the cooler water. At night, what they, they come up to feed. So that's why they fished at night. And Peter said, Lord, we fished all night and caught what? Nothing. And the Lord said, Peter, get in the boat, get the nets, go back, launch out to the deep, let the nets down. And I'm thinking, Peter's thinking, listen, you rabbi, we fishermen, uh, we know more about fish than you do. But Peter said, okay, that's what we'll do. So they went out to the deep, they dropped their nets. They had so much fish the nets begin to break. They got so many fish in the boats, the boats are sinking so deep in the water, they're, they're thinking the water may come over. So they call their friends in, other boats. They fill every boat full of fish, and, and the boats are sinking in the water. Peter, listen, you own the boat, but he commands the sea. Peter, listen, you have the nets, but he gathers up the fish. So every one of us, listen closely, can do what we know to do, and God can change our life. How many of you believe that? So I believe there's somebody here today that God can literally change your life because you're at the place where you say, God, I don't know what to do. Everything that I've known to do, I've done. And that's when the Lord responds back to you. The battle's not yours. Now the battle's mine. Wouldn't that be good for you to hear that? And maybe you're there today where you're saying, Lord, my marriage, my finances, my health, my whatever. And the Lord is saying, listen, I know you've done everything you've known to do. Now it's time for me to step in. And now you're going to say, God, what are you going to do? And God will move. When I preach this, in the first service today, I was walking out. One of our men came over to me and said, Pastor, you kicked butt today. 
You kicked butt and took names. And I said, the first name I got was mine. The first one I got was mine. Because sometimes I'm asking God to do something for me. And I haven't done what he asked me to do. So I want you to get to the place where you can shift your prayer. Now, God, what are you going to do? I believe there's hundreds of people here today that could stand at this altar. I don't know what the situation is, and I don't need to know. I believe there's hundreds of people here today that could stand at this altar and with all kind of conviction say, Lord, I'll do what I can. But now, God, what are you going to do today? Wouldn't that be a good prayer? God, what are you going to do? And my friends, listen as I close. Let's never quit believing in a miracle-working God. Let's never quit believing in a miracle-working God. Would you bow your head with me? Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to know Him. If you've wandered off, you need to come back. If that's you, simply raise your hand with mine right now and say, Pastor Mike, I need the Lord. I need to get closer to the Lord. I need to get my life back where I should be with the Lord. Thank you so much. And here's the last thing I'm going to ask you. Today, if you're facing something and it is a giant in your life, it is something that's concerning you, marriage, finances, position, health, I I don't know what it is, but if you could use God's miracle, sovereign help, would you lift your hands and I'll be the first one to raise a hand to say, Pastor Mike, there's some areas in my life I could use help with. And I want to acknowledge that to you today because I want to position myself. I want to get in the right position where you would say, Mike, now the battle is mine. God, what are you going to do? I believe that's a good prayer to pray. Would you stand with me all of this house? Some people's going to help us pray as they come and stand. If you lifted your hand for any reason, very quickly, I want you to come and stand right here with us. I'm going to wait on you. If you lifted your hand for any reason, I want you to come and stand right here. And if you didn't raise your hand, that's fine. If you want to pray that kind of prayer, Lord, here I am. This is what I'm facing. Now, God, what are you going to do? I'm your servant. I'm your child. God, I'm asking you, what are you going to do to help me in my life? People are still coming. Let's give them a hand, folks. I know it takes courage to come. I'm going to wait just for one more minute, and we're going to be out of here. People are still coming this way. Now I'm going to ask the rest of you, if you would, come and help us pray. Would you find someone up here, there's people standing by themselves, would you come and put your hand on their shoulder, stand beside them, and say, listen, I'm going to pray for you. You're not alone. I'm right here with you, and we're going to agree together as touching whatever your need is today. So, Lord, as we pray today, Lord, we're in your presence. I'm going to ask for your help, your leadership, your guidance. So, Lord, here we are in your presence. What are you going to do to help us? Lord, there's things we don't see. 
things we don't know. But Lord, we know you're real, you're sovereign, you're powerful, you're our God. And Lord, we know that you can work all things to the good of those who love you, those who are called by you. You're our God, you're the mighty God. So God, touch our hearts, touch our lives. God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you believe God's answering some prayers up here? As tears fall on cheeks, God knows every tear we cry. He knows everything we go through. Is it all right if I tell you a little story as we leave? How many of you think that'd be okay? Okay, five people, I'll take that. I know we're getting ready to leave. We don't have to come back tonight because of the weather. But I thought about this as I was preaching today. Many years ago, I bought Matthew a bicycle. I bought it at Walmart. Nothing against Walmart, but anyway, I bought it there. And there was a piece missing on the bicycle. We didn't know it until we got it home and got everything together. So I went back with Matthew. He's about this tall. And of course, Matt knows me. I'm his dad. And so I, I go to Walmart, and I said, we bought this bike a few days ago. There's a piece missing. I noticed you have some other bikes back there. Could you get a piece off that bike to complete this one? And the lady was very nice, and she said, sure, not a problem. So I waited and waited and waited and waited. Little Matt's with me. We waited. Nothing happened. Nobody came back. So I decided I was going to go investigate my personality. So I went back to the area where it's the, the, the garden center, the place there off the edge. And they had another bike there, and there were two employees looking at the bike. And, and uh, I noticed the part that I needed was on there. And uh, I said, I just need that part right there. And they said, sir, we don't have any tools to take that off. So I began to walk away, and this is what my little boy Matthew said. He said, Daddy, what are you going to do? <laughs> How many of you know we have a father? When we get in trouble and we need something, you and I can look up at him and say, Daddy, what are you going to do? So we, we marched to the tool section of Walmart. And I got the tools I needed off the shelf. I went back, two employees still there. I took the tools, I took it off, got my part, gave the tools back to the Walmart employees, said, you might want to put that back on the shelf. I said, Walmart sells tools. <laughs> and I got my part, and I left. But I'll never forget my little boy looking up at me and saying, Daddy, what are you going to do? Sometimes I look to heaven and I say, Father, 
What are you going to do? Begin to pray that prayer. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap. I love you. See you Wednesday. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.